It's much, much more brutal than that. I ask, Lord, you open up the eyes of our understanding and that we would stand strong in your armor for your honor, for your glory, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. In combat situations, there's been many interviews with soldiers, and they seldom have time to think. It's not that they're not thinking, but they're not really thinking. All hell breaks loose, and, and what happens is training kicks in. If your training does not kick in, uh, you're in deep trouble. Your mind is blank, and you're almost like you're on autopilot. And this is exactly why you get drilled in basic training, and you get dealt with over and over what you're training at base camp. Because when, when that happens, you're not going to have time to think. It's all going to be your training. Soldiers learn to function irrespective of problems in these critical situations. When um, there was a soldier who, who said this, when I shot at any soldiers in the Bosnian War and in Kosovo, I did just that. The thinking comes later. Even when the action is over and you have more time to think, your brain is still too occupied to have a more rational thought about what you just have done. You're happy that you made it out of this situation alive. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says that we're to be strong in, the, in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. And it, clear, and it clearly describes the enemy. Before you can have a battle, an honest war to, for victory, you have to describe and identify the enemy. That was the big thing about um, terrorists, you know, Islamic terrorists. They didn't want to identify and define the enemy. You have to define the enemy. And God defines our enemy in verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look to your neighbor. You're not my battle. But against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's our enemy. Our battle is not with bullets. Our our fight is spiritual. So if you're going to pick up your armor, just like soldiers, you need training. The, The sad part of Christianity and Christian, they come to church and they think they've done it, what they need to do. They've accepted Christ into their heart and they're devoid of training. So when the spiritual battle happens, they think too much. And when they begin to think too much, it's that thinking that the enemy has trained over a lifetime of societal encounters that kicks in and that thinking is what gets you in trouble. You have no training to lean on, unlike a soldier. So the problem is that new converts come in and assume the armor is simple. They proceed towards their weapons with no training to endure the battle. As a result, and we see it, casualties increase. What do we, we call that what? Backsliding. They come in and they have the joy and, and they were doing great. They're, you know, they have their honeymoon period. But then all of a sudden, the battle kicks in. And because during that honeymoon period, the, they didn't include themselves in any type of training, when, when the real battle comes in, the spiritual forces come in, they think 
And then they, 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 can you pray for me? Or what's a good scripture? And those things are not what help you. They're not going to help you in the battle. You've got to have the training before the battle. Could you imagine a soldier coming to battle, bulls are flying, excuse me, sorry, can you show me how to load, load my, my weapon? <laughs> no, bro, you're about dead. See you later. Because that sergeant's got to take care of his, his troops. If you ain't learned that, you're in trouble. And that's exactly that. Pastor, can you pray for me? Well, yeah, but that's not what's going to help you. What's going to help you is what you taught yourself in your training. I'll pray for you, but you need training. You should have came to me six months ago when I had discipleship class. Not now that, that your wife wants to leave you. Okay? See, everyone, and here's the everyone must have their armor. Yes. He said, pick up your finally, pick up your armor. The, the major question I ask, and I look, as I look at new people, visitors, if you're visiting, I don't mean to frighten you, but the reality is I, I, I wonder, are you, are you equipped to carry the, army, the armor of God? Josephus wrote, and Josephus is a very famous historian, and he wrote about Roman soldiers. And Roman soldiers were those men, the very men that Paul would address and talk about that Jesus understood and when he spoke of soldiers, he was speaking of the Roman soldier. He said, footmen are armed with breastplates, headpieces, and have swords on each side. The left side is much longer than the sword on the right. Those footmen near the general also have, had a lance and a small shield. The rest of the foot soldiers had a spear and a long shield, a saw, a pickaxe, and an axe. This is what they carried, the armor. So when Paul was to say, put on the full armor of God, see, we, we read that he, those people that heard him understood what he meant, because Roman soldiers had it all. Pickaxe, axe, saw, breath, small sword, uh, shield, small shield, spear, right? Lastly, they had to carry a leather bag with a hook on it. And that bag had food for three days. You got to have food. Right? Vachitius, who wrote in De Re Military, was an ancient book of, of military customs. He said, to accustom soldiers to carry burdens is an essential part of discipline. So you had to be trained to carry burdens. You didn't, you didn't come and prepare to carry a sack or all those weaponry that we just discussed. They had to be trained. So what they would do, the recruits were ordered to carry a weight, not less than 60 pounds, minus their weapon. So they had their weapon, but then they would give them 60 pounds, carry this around, and to march with it in ranks. This is where we get the training nowadays. Why? Because they had to get used to carrying that heavy weight. This is because of the difficult expeditions they often find themselves under, and they, they had the necessity of carrying their provisions as well as their arms. So they weren't in battle, but they would always march with all this stuff, march, 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 right? They just had to. This training prepared them by making it normal operating procedure to carry such a load and made, it, made everything else easy. Now, you got to see, take that picture and how the Christians come in and are told to carry armor and how they can't take a rebuke. For historical purposes, the combat load of a U.S. soldier in World War II was 82 pounds for a rifleman and 99 pounds for a gunner. British soldiers in the Falklands 
when they went into the Falklands, which the Falklands is an island off Argentina when they tried to take it back, they carried an average of 120-pound backpacks. So with that in mind, Paul looks at the church and he says, put on the armor of God. And people are so naive to think, well, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth and my whole household to be saved. That may be true, but in the interim, the devil is going to slap you like a rented mule. Because you're not equipped to carry the armor. Let me keep reading. He says in verse 14 of Ephesians 6, Paul writing to the Ephesian church. And the Ephesian church was at that time considered a mega church. There was some estimate 30,000 members in the Ephesian church. In fact, the mother of Jesus, Mary, sat in the front row of the Ephesian church, and Timothy was the pastor there. And he says to them, to these people who had been conquered by Roman soldiers, put on the full armor so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. He said, put it on now so that when it comes, you'll stand. Just like the recruit, carry 60 pounds, get your weapons, put it on now so that when the day of evil comes, you're going to stand. Why do you think this pastor chases many people away? Because I said, you need to become disciples. Let me get out of here. Why? Because I'm trying to save your soul. I'm not trying to just build a church. I'm trying to save your soul. If you don't put it on, when the day of evil comes, what are you going to have to fight it off? And if I can convince just this group, we'll pack this place out in no time. Because the enemy will have no foothold or no ability to come in and penetrate our forces. Huh? See, picking up your armor is not a suggestion. He says, put on the helmet. Salvation and put on Christ represents the, the helmet. Then he says, draw the sword. Draw the sword really stands for study and seek training. We know the sword is a double-edged sword. It's the word of God. But when you talk about it, it's not just a sword. There's many, many. They had pickaxes and small swords. And they had all this stuff. It wasn't just a sword. It wasn't limited to just to have a Bible walk around when the devil comes. And you see Satan just put the Bible because he can't bite you. (laughs) Isn't that Hollywood? Why? See, a soldier, like the song, says he's going to put on the armor and he's going to fight. I don't, I don't think we really understand what fighting means. He's going to fight. See, we, you have to fight. Or let me say, the fight is salvation and put it on Christ. It is not easy to put on Christ. Oh, the Bible says, I want to put on Christ. That's not that easy. Are you kidding me? Put on Christ? Christ was, was, was rejected from those he loved. He came and they spat on, they beat him. You want to put on Christ? What would Jesus do? I'll tell you what, he would get beat and die. Forget all that other stuff. What would Jesus do? I'm telling you what he would do. I'm telling you what he did. And he says, we are to put on Christ. That, that's a battle. That's the fight. See, the, the fight, although the devil will come, he's not going to come until the, the, end of, the God says, you know, you need to learn a lesson. But in the interim, you have to put on this. I can't put it on you. I have enough time putting on my own. You have to put on Christ. Why? Because you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the fight. So if you're going to fight, that's the fight. The fight is, is to study and seek training. 
You know how to empty a church? Call a prayer meeting. <laughs> Boom! Everybody goes. That's, that's the fight. When the prayer meeting is called, you should be the first here. But you fight. You don't fight for it. You, the first little excuse... I wanted to be at the prayer meeting, but I'm praying for you while I'm watching, you know, Batman and Superman. Or what's the one, the Black Panther? I'm praying for you. See, that's the fight. And the reality is the fight is so simple for the devil. He does these little, little tricks just to get you away. Why? Because the fight. Do, do you study? Do you seek honest, hard training? Mm. Romans. 13.12, Paul's writing to the Roman church who were very familiar with soldiers of the day. He said this in regards to the fight. Romans 13.12 all the way through 14. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave. Here's the, he describes the armor of light. Right? And he begins to enumerate it. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Check it out. Not in orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, jealousy. So he described the things that are of darkness. And he said, get away from the, hey, remember the fight. Get away from that stuff. Let's put on the armor. We're talking about the armor of God. Well, he, Paul, described a piece of the armor, the armor of light. And then he goes, rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So when you begin to study, because you're going to train yourself, you study the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to clothe yourself with that, because that's the armor. You've got to fight for that. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he goes on, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Clothe yourself with Jesus and quit rubbernecking. Clothe yourself with Jesus and quit thinking about having a, a, a martini. Clothe yourself with Jesus and quit thinking about smoking a blunt, because it's legal in Colorado. Clothe your, see, stop thinking about that mess and start clothing yourself with Jesus. See, that's the fight. Because he said, put on the armor. The fight begins when we learn to behave decently. And really, you know, sometimes that's like a major one. Just just behave. And then you're behaving decently, and then you think you get credit. Listen, you don't get credit for being normal. Just behave. Behave decently. Right? In the New Living Translation, same scripture, it says, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in, in darkness or wild parties, drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity, or immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself, I like this, with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So the implication is clear, whether you admit it or not, every one of us has evil desires. So we have to be careful. Not with the devil, with ourselves. Hello. I've seen the devil, and it's me. We have to worry about you inside. And why do we do this? As the song says, for the love of God. We do that for the love of God showed me. For the love of God showed you. See, when I came in, God shared a lot of love and gave me a lot of mercy and a lot of grace. And because of that, I'm, everything I'm talking about, I fight. 
to train myself. I fight to, to pl- clothe myself with Jesus. I fight to be in the presence of God. Why? Because when I was a sinner, God loved me. Amen. And without that, I had no hope. So that's why I fight. That's my reason of fighting. Because love really is many things. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the perfection of God. Jesus manifested his love to us. We received love when we did not love him. That's why I fight. That's why I fight. I got to put on the armor of God. See, God's love passes the power of our knowledge. We fight for the love God showed me. His love is everlasting. When I blood, he still loves me. His love doesn't cost me anything. His love cost him. True love doesn't cost the one receiving. True love costs the one who's giving. And it costs him everything. See, the love God shows me endures to the end. So why do I fight? Because he loved me. See, John 1, 13, 1, it reads like this. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. See, Jesus, he's going to fight. He's at the Passover, and this is right before the crucifixion. Remember, the Passover was when Moses, they had the lamb, and they slaughtered the lamb, they put the blood on the post. Well, they celebrate that every year in Jerusalem. But at this Passover lamb, Jesus was now the sacrifice. And he knew it. The time had come to to do what God had called him to do. He loved this world, and he said he loved it, but now he was going to prove it. I love you, bro. And then you split. Jesus, I love you. And I'm going to show you the extent of my love. I'm going to die. See, a soldier fights for lost souls. And really not so much for the souls themselves. A soldier fights because the orders he received, he fights for them. And he said, the order I received from Jesus is, is, is this, that he left heaven to come for lost, the lost. So if my commander and chief my general, my Lord says, I've left heaven to come fight for souls. What else could I do? See, a soldier is going to fight for lost souls. Fight. Not fight for your rights, fight for your position, fight for anything else. You're going to fight for lost souls. Yes. See, this love should compel us all to fight for what Jesus gave his life for. The fight is not with military weaponry. The fight is not hand-to-hand combat. See, our ability, or rather, our fight is the ability to love those who are destined to betray us. That's the fight. Why? Well, not everybody's going to betray you. But along your route to find those good soldiers that got your back, you got to endure betrayal. Because if you can't endure betrayal, you'll never get to the ones who really love you. Ministry is a series of betrayals. And you keep fighting. Why do you give up? Why don't you give up? No, 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 no. I don't fight. This guy did you wrong. This girl, that's okay. It's okay. That's part of the process. And why can I handle it? Why do I handle that? Because I've been trained. 
I carried a load. When I had my pastor, he trained me. He put me through so many head trips, I never understood them. I go, why, this guy must be crazy, because he just puts me through all kinds of head trips. Why is he doing this to me? Why, why, why? I would always think, why? But I still do it. He made it hard on me. Man, it got hard. One time, I figured it out. I go, oh. We had a big meeting with all these pastors, and we're talking about Pastor Steve. They said, what did Pastor Steve like? And this guy goes, oh, he likes faithful peace. Well, he did. And they, they had all their lists, and I was last. He go, well, you know, I was the AP. Oh, you're the assistant pastor. What did Pastor Steve like? He loved a person's ability to suffer. I said that Josie was there. She looked at me. Pastor Steve just called her. <laughs> I looked at him. Right? Why? Why? Because he was cruel? No. Just like the recruit. You had to be able to carry the weight. Because when the enemy attacked... If you weren't trained under suffering, you would backslide, complain about the church, talk about the pastor, not like your leader, walk out and do the damage, do damage to the church because I'm not going no more because, you know, those people in church, I'm going to have my church on TV, me and Benny Hinn, blow on me, Benny, blow. And that's what happens. Because why? Because people come to church and they're not trained. And so they get mad at everybody else. No, Listen. People are a trip. Can I say it again to this side? I don't know if this side believe me. People are a trip. And when you're dealing with churches, you get a lot of trips in your church. Well, you know, come on now, I kind of like it is, don't I? You do. And you're going to have to be able to withstand it. If you can't take it, you need training. You need to get over it. You got to understand, that's how people are. Don't take it personal. Carry your load. You, you want to get used to come on, follow me? I'll show you how to suffer. I know how to do it. I'm a good sufferer. Say the wanderer, I'm the sufferer. I'm the sufferer. And I suffer, for suffer, for suffer, for suffer. <laughs> I, know, I know how to do it. That's huh? part of ministry. That's uh, part of ministry. Again, our fight is the ability to love those who are destined to betray us. And if we can't take the pain of that punch, we will, let me say it the other way. If we can, if we're able to take the pain of that kind of punch, you, my friend, will win many souls for Jesus. You'll win them. You'll got them. You'll get them. Because the devil can't do anything to harm you. You go, oh, no, go do it again. Oh, that kind of devil, do it again. It felt good. Oh, thank you. All right. Yeah, all right. Oh, good. Good. That's a good one. It ain't going to hurt you no more. It's like a callus on your finger. It doesn't hurt no more. If you've been working outside and you use a shovel, you might get a blister initially, right? You get the big old blister, blood and everything. Look, oh, how terrible. Keep working it. Eventually, you get an axe, you get a hammer, it doesn't matter. It ain't, ain't going to bother you. Let's do this thing. And when you get the new guy coming in, oh, you sissy, greenhorn, come on. That's how you do it. it takes time. But you've got to develop that spiritual callus so that you're able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. And that only comes through training. John 13, 2, let's keep reading that story. The evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray us. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that it had come, that it had come from God and was trained to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. Imagine that. 
Jesus began to wash the feet of the devil's agent. And he knew it. He was walking, he knew, here's the devil, and he's taking care of Judas. The apostle Paul struggled through this, and he understood what it meant to wash people's feet. That's why he wrote Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm not going to let any, any situation scare me. You know, death doesn't scare me. I'd often tell people, the people I'd ask them, why would you go to Africa to those places where it's scary, you know, dangerous? Or why do you go to the Philippines? Aren't you afraid of your life? The devil cannot threaten me with heaven. Are you kidding me? I should have died a long time ago. So I go there, let's do this. To live as Christ, to die as gain. See, Paul was facing people who were preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry. They were preaching the gospel out of selfish ambition. Hmm? And they did it to stir up trouble for the apostle Paul while he was in prison. He was locked up, couldn't do nothing about it. But to Paul, it didn't matter. You know what he said? He flipped around. Oh, cool, go ahead and do that. He says the important thing to him is whether they were from false motives or true. The important thing to Christ is that Jesus Christ was preached. Amen. That's it. They're doing it for wrong. I don't care about that. And because of this, Paul rejoiced. Let them do it for wrong motives. Let them do it out of pride. I know why God called me. Let them be all messed up. I don't call. I know they're in their church. I know they're in Victor Roberts. Who cares? As long as the gospel is preached, because I've been trained, I don't let it bother me. I preach the gospel. Huh? That's why Paul rejoiced. And then he wrote, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's where it came out of. To live as Christ, to serve the undeserving, to wash the feet of those who aim to do you harm. That is to live as Christ. As you keep reading the story, it says there in verse 12 of chapter 13, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done. I tell the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, that doesn't mean you come out here to get a bucket, because I've, I've seen people do that, I think it's stupid. Let's get a book and let's wash each other's feet. That's not, no, that ain't wash your feet. That's, that's like religious. Are you kidding me? I could take a shower. Well, you want to wash somebody's feet? You get out there in the streets and you start doing something for somebody and wash your feet. You start serving that person right now. You know who it is. You're a hater. Anybody got a hater? That should be your motivator. You find your hater and you go take care of that person. You go minister to that person. You go help that person. You go bless that person. You hate me, I'm going to take you to lunch and show you that. Why? Because I'm going to minister the love of God because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And when you do that, you do it all at one time. You live and you die. Because you're putting on Christ and you're dying to yourself. Because you know, in reality, you're thinking, I'm going to stab him. I'm going to get close to him. I'm going to jack him up. Watch me. Don't think I am? Watch, 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 watch. Right? Because you're alive. You're alive. No, to live as Christ, to die is gain. See, this is truly dying to self. Paul says to die is gain. John 12, 23, Jesus is standing at the gate of death. And then he says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
If it dies, it produces many seeds. It dies. Death is painful. Hello? Death is a painful thing. It's not only painful to the one who is dying, but it's painful to the ones who are seeing the death. Has anybody ever saw the death, looked at the death, and been around death? It's not a, it's not a joyous, it's a very hard, hard, hard time. I watched my dad die. My kids watched my mom die. I was, I was preaching at church, I had a fly in, and, I, and she died like five minutes before I got there. She died. Death is a horrible thing. Very painful. And spiritual death, likewise. Imagine the pain Jesus suffered at the hands of those he came to serve. And then Jesus speaks of his death. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soul and dies. Unlike Jesus, we're not required to, 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 to go to the cross of Calvary. But it is common knowledge that we have a cross to carry. Every one of us should have a cross to carry. If you don't have a cross to carry, I don't know who you're following. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. He didn't say pick up his cross. So that the implication is you need a cross. And those who are trained to carry burdens are the only ones who who would dare turn around and pick up a cross. The rest of us don't want a cross. They said, no, I I don't want a cross. I want prosperity. You know, well, isn't that what it's all about? No, prosperity may be an outgrowth of your cross. He didn't say go pick up your credit card. Pick up your cross. Jesus wants men and women trained in such a way that they are capable, able to handle the pain of their cross, able to carry a a portion of the burden that Jesus carried. So you decide. You decide. You determine your ability to minister. There's a, there's a thing called pain threshold. Listen, and I'm almost done. Growth equals change. How many agree with that? When you grow, you change, right? Change equals loss. If you're going to change, you're going to lose, right? You're not going to say the same. So when you change, you lose something. There's a loss, right? Loss equals pain. No pain, no So thus, growth equals pain. And the reason people don't grow is because they don't like experiencing pain. No one likes pain. Who likes pain? Raise your hand. Nobody. We don't like pain. That's why we have aspirins and Tylenol and, and, and Percocets and morphine. Hello, somebody. Nobody likes pain. You must summon courage. Listen, you must summon the courage to endure small amounts of pain. Huh? There are, there are ties that going, uh, let's put it this way. You must be of the habit to do what is right. And to do what is right always endures pain. Because sometimes when you do what's right, people don't like you. Right? But you have to be of that habit. If not, this is what will happen. If you don't get in the habit of doing what's right, even though there's pain, uh, later on, you'll receive larger loss. You have to get in the habit. See, pain is part of your progress and spirituality. Anything that grows experiences some pain. 
Is it pleasant to have a child? But it's, it's very painful that I'm told. Praise the Lord. Every time I see people pregnant, I say, thank God I'm a, I'm a man. Thank you, Jesus. Painful? Huh? But when you avoid pain, you avoid growth. I don't want to be there. Why? Because it's a pain. I don't like that, brother. He's a pain. Well, you're a pain. Come on. That's true. Right? Why am I talking about pain? So I comprehend that pain, I understand this completely, that pain is the bridge to my purpose. If I avoid pain, then I never get to my purpose. It's part of it. I understand it. I have to go through these things. The pain I am willing to endure determines if I accomplish God's will. Jesus had his pain quotient. Paul had his. See, doing God's will, no matter how difficult, is a rare trait in ministry. Because hmm? people just do Christianity. They do churchiosity. They're not doing God's will. And they confuse the two. Hmm. Why? What did I say? Because most, it's human nature, most choose easy. We must choose God's will over easy. And pain teaches us to depend on him. Pain purifies our motive. Pain keeps us humble and improves our prayer life. So we're talking about soldiers. Remember the burden they had to carry? They had to endure pain. I remember when I did my 23-mile my march. Because you know what I'm talking about. You guys know me. You know. I, I did that puppy, I remember. And, and, and the drill sergeant would always pick on me because they changed my name. I wouldn't respond to them. They called me Lamar. I never responded to Lamar. Loma. And they made me pay a price for that. But we did our 23-mile march, and invariably, people fall out. Boom, 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 boom. We had about 13, 14 guys fall out. And it was my job to go get their weapons and carry them in. Because you don't leave. You know what I'm talking about, right? You don't leave the weapon. The guy fell out, get my job. And if there was one weapon left, I have to go back and get it. It was my job. So I had to watch everybody. When they fell out, grab their weapon. At the end, I, I had two so shoulders full of weapons after 23 miles. I was dying. My weapon was bad. I had everybody, and I'm coming, and I'm drag, just dragging in, man. Every, every bone in my body ached. And when I, the sergeant, the drill sergeant looked at me, he kind of smiled. Right? At the time, I, I didn't know why he was smiling. I know why. Because all of them admired that. They said, he did it, man. And I walked, he loaned me okay. I didn't say a word. And I dropped the weapon. Boom. I just stood there. He goes, can I go? He goes, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Right? But you know, did that did something to me. I know what my body was capable of doing. I know. And when things got rough, I knew I would be able to handle it. Because I endured pain. Amen. Those other guys who fell out, they thought they got away with it. Nuh-uh. Guess what they had to do the next day? They had to do the march again. You know what I got? I got the next day off. Sure. I was happy little, happier than a lark, amen? But there was something about that training. And I go back to that. I look at that as a kid. I go, you know what? There's not much I can do. And there's other stories I have, but there's not much that I can do. And no, not, there's not much that I'm afraid of. Because I have the training. God turned that around. 
Elizabeth Elliot said this, I am not a theologian or a scholar, but I am very aware of the fact that pain is necessary to all of us. In my own life, I can think honestly that out of the deepest pain has come the strongest conviction of the presence of God. Dr. Sammy Chan said in Leadership Pain, Tanya suffered from a rare genetic malady called congenital indifference to pain, a condition very similar to leprosy. In every other way, she was a healthy little girl, but she felt no pain at all. Seven years later, Tanya's mother called Dr. Brown to tell him that the little girl had lost both legs to amputation as well as most of her fingers. Her elbows were continually dislocated, and she suffered sepsis from ulcers on her hand and leg stumps. She had chewed her tongue so badly that it was swollen and lacerated. Dr. Chan goes on to say, Tanya was no monster, only an extreme example, a human metaphor of life without pain. Think about that. See, in like manner, every person to be healthy spiritually needs to embrace pain. Otherwise, you end up deformed emotionally, disabled mentally, or disturbed socially. If you think you can come and just live free of pain, then you're going to end up like that, like that little girl. You have to embrace it, understand it's a part of life. And when you turn around, you make pain your tool. It makes you better. It makes you greater. One night, Dr. Brand, the same man who, who encountered that little girl, he speaks of a story that happened to him. He said he took off his shoes. He realized he had no sense in his foot. The numbness terrified him. He found a pin and stuck it into the skin below his ankle. Nothing. He pushed it deeper into the flesh, and this time blood appeared. But still, he felt no pain. The next morning, as the day dawned, Dr. Brand picked up a pin and stuck it into his ankle. This time, he yelled, It hurt! From that day forward, wherever he, whenever he felt discomfort from a cut, nausea, or anything else, he responded with a genuine gratitude. Thank God for pain. See, ignoring pain is spiritual leprosy. Ignoring pain may promise a short-term gain to avoid a, a discomfort, but ignoring pain has devastating long-term effects. Soldiers understand. You need to grow your threshold of pain. You need to be trained. And to grow more, you have to raise your threshold. Second Corinthians, Paul briefly described how his pain threshold was developed. Paul said, and these people were talking neck about Paul, saying he was this, saying he was that. They were bragging about what they did. And Paul says this to them, oh yeah? I'm going to talk like a fool right now. And in verse 24, he said, For five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. I am in danger from bandits. I have been in danger from my own countrymen. I have been in danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city. In danger in the country. In danger at sea. In danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. That's a soldier. That's a Christian. Everything else is a bunch of crock. That's just church. That's just religious people playing a game. 
We want soldiers. He instructs his disciple Timothy, Timothy, endure hardship. He didn't say pray. He said go through it. Learn how to handle it. Deal with it. Grow up. Quit backsliding. Quit sniveling. Can I talk like that? In 2 Timothy 2, 3, reads, endure hardship with us. Paul is talking to Timothy. It's not just you, Timothy. Endure it with us. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He said, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And that's what I opened up with. Why do I do? It's because I want to please my pastor who's been with the Lord, my mentor who lives in our town, and my pastor. But more importantly, Jesus Christ saved my life. He had done something for me. That's why I do it. That's why I go through it. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't want any other way. I've been trained to fight. I've been trained to kill physically. Now dig this. I don't got to do that. But I know how to get trained to fight spiritually. And that's what I want to do. Sometimes God will deliver you from the fiery furnace. Other times, burn baby, burn. Got to go through it. Either way, I'll take it. Sure, I want to be delivered, right? Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, but you know what? Even they say, hey, but if I got to go through it, turn on the fire. We're going to go through it. Ain't, no, ain't nothing but chicharrones, right? <laughs> he makes you go through it. Why? Listen, if you don't remember everything. He makes you go through it because he is more concerned with your development than he's concerned with your comfort. That's what God wants. He is more concerned with that. Your development. What are you going to become? So each one of us must choose the fight on the, to choose to fight on the battlefield. You come in, this is the gateway to the battlefield. This is not the battlefield, this is the gateway. Anybody want in? Amen. Anybody want in? This is what we're, this is the battlefield. We want in. We don't want to, I don't, I, listen, I love church people, I do, but I don't want to play church. I want soldiers. We've got to take the world for Jesus. We're under orders. Huh? We have a mission. Huh? We are vision-driven, mission-minded. This is who we are. I need people to wake up. Stop getting high. Stop driving the canine and grow up and be like a man. Be like a woman. Why? Because time waits and we're living in the last day. Are you kidding me? We're in a war. We have to fight this war. How do we fight? We pray. We smile, and we cry. That's what we do. It's not that difficult. No, those will get a little more complex. But he says, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can withstand the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities, rulers and authorities, against the powers of the heavenly world and heavenly and dark world and against the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly realms. We fight, as I close, we fight to show the love that only Christ can show. If we can't show the love, who's going to do it? We're going to fight for the love God showed. We're going to fight for lost souls. So our willingness to die for the cause of Christ shows that we love the lost. Jesus said he loved him, and he goes, now I'm going to go to the cross, 
I'm going to show you how much I love you. On the battlefield, on the battlefield, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ is the battle. Because, hey, I got to be careful for Albert. He's in there somewhere. That dead dog, he's in there. Every now and then he wants to rise up. Get back there, you dirty dog. You get out of there. I do. I got to talk to myself. I go, stop it, stop it. Behave, behave. I know you're in there. He's always there trying to mess with me. I got to live as Christ. I got to go home, lock my door in my room, go look in the mirror and stop it. Behave. Be like Jesus. I know what they're doing. I know you want to go over there. Be cool. All right. And I'm the pastor. If I'm doing that, come on now. If I'm doing that, wait a minute, come on. If I'm doing that, come on. Are we in this together? It's a tough gig. I know it's hard. But it's doable. We have to fight for it. We have to fight. And the more we fight, the better we get and the stronger we get. Huh? See, when a man picks up his armor and puts on his helmet and draws a sword, despite the pain, despite the persecution, when we pick up our armor and we put on our helmet and draw our sword, because of his promise to live as Christ. To live as Christ. To live as Christ. To die as gain. I want every bow. And every eye closed.